Hello, this is Jeff Barnum reading the Supreme Court Opinion Syllabus in United States et al. versus Texas et al. Certiorari before judgment to the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. Argued November 29, 2022. Decided June 23, 2023. In 2021, the Secretary of Homeland Security promulgated new immigration enforcement guidelines, guidelines for the enforcement of civil immigration law, that prioritize the arrest and removal from the United States of non-citizens who are suspected terrorists or dangerous criminals who have unlawfully entered the country only recently, for example. The states of Texas and Louisiana claim that the guidelines contravene two federal statutes that they read to require the arrest of certain non-citizens upon their release from prison or entry of a final order of removal. The district court found that the states would incur costs due to the executive's failure to comply with those alleged statutory mandates, and that the states had standing to sue based upon those costs. On the merits, the district court found the guidelines unlawful and vacated them. The Fifth Circuit declined to stay the district court's judgment, and this court granted certiorari before judgment. Held, Texas and Louisiana lack Article Three standing to challenge the guidelines. Under Article Three, a plaintiff must have standing to sue. This bedrock constitutional requirement has its roots in the separation of powers. So the threshold question here is whether the states have standing to maintain this suit. Based on this court's precedence and long-standing historical practice, the answer is no. To establish standing, a plaintiff must show an injury in fact caused by the defendant and redressable by a court order. The district court found that the states would incur additional costs due to the challenged arrest policy, and monetary costs are an injury. But this court has stressed that the alleged injury must also be legally and judicially cognizable. That requires that the dispute is traditionally thought to be capable of resolution through the judicial process. Here, the states cite no precedent, history, or tradition of federal courts entertaining lawsuits of this kind. On the contrary, this court has previously ruled that a plaintiff lacks standing to bring such a suit when he himself is neither prosecuted nor threatened with prosecution. See Linda R.S. versus Richard D. 410 U.S. 614, a Supreme Court case from 1973. The Linda R.S. Article Three Standing Principle remains the law today, and the states have pointed to no case or historical practice holding otherwise. There are good reasons why federal courts have not traditionally entertained lawsuits of this kind. For one, when the executive branch elects not to arrest or prosecute, it does not exercise coercive power over an individual's liberty or property, and thus does not infringe upon interests that courts often are called upon to protect. Moreover, such lawsuits run up against the executive's Article II authority to decide how to prioritize and how aggressively to pursue legal actions against defendants who violate the law. The principle of executive branch enforcement discretion over arrests and prosecutions extends to the immigration context. 
Courts also generally lack meaningful standards for assessing the propriety of enforcement choices in this area, which are invariably affected by resource constraints and regularly changing public safety and public welfare needs. That is why this court has recognized that federal courts are generally not the proper forum for resolving claims that the executive branch should make more arrests or bring more prosecutions. This holding does not suggest that federal courts may never entertain cases involving the executive branch's alleged failure to make more arrests or bring more prosecutions. First, the court has adjudicated selective prosecution claims under the Equal Protection Clause, in which a plaintiff typically seeks to prevent his or her own prosecution. Second, the standing analysis might differ when Congress elevates de facto injuries to the status of legally cognizable injuries redressable by a federal court. Third, the standing calculus might change if the executive branch wholly abandoned its statutory responsibilities to make arrests or bring prosecutions. Fourth, a challenge to an executive branch policy that involves both arrest or prosecution priorities and the provision of legal benefits or legal status could lead to a different standing analysis. Fifth, policies governing the continued detention of non-citizens who have already been arrested arguably might raise a different standing question than arrest or prosecution policies. But this case presents none of those scenarios. The discrete standing question raised by this case rarely arises because federal statutes that purport to require the executive branch to make arrests or bring prosecutions are rare. This case is different from those in which the federal judiciary decides judiciable cases involving statutory requirements or prohibitions on the executive because it implicates the executive branch's enforcement's discretion and raises the distinct question of whether the federal judiciary may in effect order the executive branch to take enforcement actions. The court's decision does not indicate any view on whether the executive is complying with its statutory obligations. Nor does the court's narrow holding signal any change in the balance of powers between Congress and the executive. Reversed. Justice Kavanaugh delivered the opinion of the court in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Sotomayor, Kagan, and Jackson joined. Justice Gorsuch filed an opinion concurring in the judgment in which Justices Thomas M. Barrett joined. Justice Barrett filed an opinion concurring in the judgment in which Justices Gorsuch joined. Justice Alito filed a dissenting opinion. Thank you for listening. Please help us by rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you subscribe so you can get all of the end-of-term decisions automatically delivered to your device. If you wish to communicate with the podcast, please email us at scotusdecisions at gmail.com.